here now? I have two different identities. We all have our little secrets, don't we, Miss Wonder Woman? You're not just Wonder Woman? Describe this costume. Low-profile kind of lady, but she's definitely cool. It was red, white, and blue. She goes around posing as Wonder Woman all the time. A young woman wearing what are obviously the colors of the American flag. With stars. There was this really weird girl. And I'm convinced it was Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. The IADC agent, Diana Prince. And all because of Wonder Woman. She's as meddlesome in the 20th century as she is in the 22nd. I thought you were a dream, a legend. I thought she was a legend or a fantasy. Not sure I'm even awake yet. She caught the bullets or deflected them or something. There are quite a few things you don't know about me, Steve. It was Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. With the exception of Wonder Woman. In the persona of Diana Prince, we all know that you are indestructible. She is vulnerable. I want Wonder Woman on my team. What does that have to do with me or Wonder Woman? Thanks, Wonder Woman. I don't move until you chill Diana Prince. What I've heard about her, she values human life above all else. Wonder Woman, I love you. The spin is almost, it's its almost sort of like an afterthought. Okay, let's just get this out of the way so we can get into the, the she's Wonder Woman. Well, I felt like there were even spins in season three where Linda's like, Jesus Christ, I got to do this again. I know. Good I God. Know. <laughs> 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 well, but see, but see, and, and therein lies one of the differences between that first season where it was fresh and new and exciting for everybody, as opposed to some of the, uh, the third season stuff. Every episode in the first season, when she goes to spin to Wonder Woman, there is a, there is a, there is a teeing up. There is a, a sound cue. Here yeah. she goes. She's getting ready. She's it, the whole thing. It's a production and, and the music supported it. You just don't get that in latter season two and season three. It's just not an important thing. It really does become a transition. Yeah. In CBS, where in ABC it was it was a it was a scene. It was its own set piece. Yeah. Um, welcome everybody. This is the second edition of the Satin Tights podcast. I am Paul K. Bisson, and with me once again. Uh, is Ray Caspio. Hi, Ray. Hello, 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 hello. And as we promised in the last podcast, we are going to be talking about, before we get into Linda Carter's Wonder Woman, we're going to be talking about the uh, pilot presentation, which, of course, now, you know, it's so postmodern. Everybody knows what a pilot presentation is. But back in the 60s, you know, unless you worked in the industry, nobody knew what that was, and uh, nobody knew how things got off the ground, how many tons and tons of material people have never, ever seen uh, that have been recorded and and uh, edited together and presented to studios and network executives, and they go, no, uh, we don't like that, and then it's never seen ever and ever again. But in this case, who's afraid of dying a prince, which is, of course... Uh, play on uh, the Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. And it was, it started out, William Dozier of the uh, Batman, uh, 1966, very, very popular uh, Adam West and Burt Ward show. Uh, he got the rights to Wonder Woman and he uh, hired two writers. Uh, you'll love this. I don't know if you know this. He hired two writers. Uh, the writers were Stan Hart and Larry Siegel. Uh, they wrote for Mad Magazine, but they were also head writers for The Cal Burnett Show. 
Really? Yes. So um, they wrote Who's Afraid of Diana Prince? And it was oh. a uh, supposed to be a 30-minute script. They sent uh, – Doug Kramer didn't like it. Asked Stanley Ralph Ross – to cut it down to like 15 minutes. Okay. What survives, what everybody's seen on YouTube is about four and a half minutes. Yeah, it's not long at all. The director was Leslie H. Martinson. Directed some Wonder Woman episodes. He did, and he's a prolific director. If you look on his IMDb, it reads like the who's who of TV shows from the 60s, right on through the 80s, actually. Um, And he actually died... Uh, in September of 2016. Oh. But I mean, he, he directed shows like the Roy Rogers show and Maverick and 77 Sunset Strip. He directed some Batman, Green Hornet, Mission Impossible, Love American Style, Brady Bunch. He also directed some episodes of The Six Million Dollar Man. He didn't do any Bionic Woman, but he directed tons of episodes of one of my favorite Saturday morning shows as a kid. What? 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 Bigfoot and Wild Boy. Out of the great Northwest comes the legendary Bigfoot, who eight years ago saved a young child lost in the vast wilderness and raised that child until he grew up to be Wild Boy. Uh, what? Wait, wait. Bigfoot and Wild Boy. You come on, don't tell me you've never you've never watched Bigfoot and Wild Boy? I have never heard of Bigfoot and Wild Boy. Are you kidding? No. Oh my god. It was a total ripoff of the Bigfoot from the Six Million Dollar Man and the, the the wild boy from another Six Million Dollar Man episode. <laughs> was it was it Six Million Dollar Man related or was it? No, no. Just, what they uh, did was they took two elements of the Six Million Dollar Man, two okay. uh, characters from two different episodes and said, hey, let's team them up together and have them work. <laughs> Together to fight crime on Saturday morning. And it was a live action, half hour Saturday morning show. Was it the same actors? No, no. It was, okay. uh, but but Bigfoot could run 60 miles an hour. He could jump and leap high. And there was these, you know, he had similar bionic sounds like, and it was like total ripoff. Total, I, I, huh. They could have won a lawsuit, if you ask me. <laughs> but it was great. So anyway, Leslie Martinson directed lots of Bigfoot and Wild Boy. He went on to do lots of Dallas, Chips, Fantasy Island, and Small Wonder. No, I love Dallas. Small Wonder? Yes! Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but you're right. He also directed five episodes, really four, of uh, Wonder, Linda Carter's Wonder Woman, The Boy Who Knew Her Secret, part one and two, yes. one of our favorite uh Episodes. <clears throat> um, <laughs> stolen. <laughs> We're not giving too much away, are we? Uh, stolen Faces, Skateboard Whiz, and Disco Devil. Okay. Okay, Leslie. That, that explains why you got this one. <laughs> he also directed the Batman movie. Uh, the 1966 big big screen movie. Oh, now I've okay. All right, he has just redeemed himself. Yes, yeah, so there you yeah, go. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, I, as I said, I told already told you about Stan Hart and Larry Siegel, the Mad Magazine writers, also the head writers for Cal Burnett, um, and of course Stanley Ralph Ross himself, who he's an actor and a writer. Okay. all throughout his career, very prolific. Um, but he did a lot of tons and tons of voiceover work. Um, he was Perry White in the Ruby Spears 1988 Superman. Oh, cool. Uh, he was on Paw Paws, the Inhumanoids, Real Ghostbusters, the Incredible Hulk cartoon in the early 80s, uh, the Fawns and the Happy Days Gang. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll all know this if you don't know who we're talking about. Uh, he was the voice of Gorilla Grodd on Challenge of the Super Friends. Oh, okay. We'll have the resources to conquer the universe. And 
destroy the super friends. But he also wrote a lot. He wrote 27 episodes of Batman. He wrote for the monkeys, that girl, men from Uncle and uh, Love American Style. Now, the actors in this is Ellie Wood Walker. She played uh, Diana Prince and Wonder Woman, and uh, her IMDb shows very few credits, really like a handful, four or five credits, including uh, a brief role in the movie Easy Rider. Now, Linda Harrison, who plays Wonder Woman's reflection in the mirror, she's got a handful of credits in IMDb as well, including a regular role on Bracken's World. That was 1969-70. Bracken's World? Yeah. I don't know what that is. I've never heard of that. But she's probably most famously known for playing Nova on the Planet of the Apes movie. Uh, and uh, she also appeared in both Cocoon and Cocoon the Return in the 80s. And she had a cameo in the 2001's Planet of the Apes. So they remembered to bring Nova back for that. Um, and then the mother was uh, Maudie Prickett. Maudie now, Prickett. She's, she's, done every, she's, she's a character actor who has done everything. Uh, she's probably played mothers a dozen times or the yep. aunt or the, the next door neighbor. Tabitha's teacher on Bewitched. Long, yes. long list of character credits over just tons of shows from the 60s right on through the 70s. She was Jack Benny's uh, secretary, Miss Gordon, as well as Rosie on Hazel. And as you said, uh, Tabitha's teacher. Let's talk about this. Who's afraid of Diana Prince and what it is and what it means <laughs> um, and, and why it probably didn't make it because it was very, very much in the vein of Batman. And one would argue that while that might be true, that was probably not the way no. to go for Wonder Woman. What do you think? I, I would agree. It was definitely not the way to go. And it felt like to me... Um, that they were still celebrating Batman in the old series. Yes. And this came across, I don't know, it depends on the day, I think, for me. But when I watched this last, it came across as just tearing Wonder Woman down. Yes! Like, yes! She had no confidence, uh, a distorted vision of who she was. She flew like a bird. Uh it, it was very strange, but I remember when I first saw it years ago, I laughed through it. Right, right. So maybe I had more of a sense of humor than I don't know. Well, no, I, I look, what you said is right on par. They, it, it, it was produced in 67, I think, right smack dab in the middle of the Batman TV show uh, production. And yeah, they, they were very much celebrating Batman. And this show was very much sort of taking pot shots at Wonder yeah. Woman, sort of really sort of belittling and yeah. Okay. So 1967, right? You've got the girl from uncle, you've got Uhura on the enterprise. You've got some stronger female characters in television that are sort of independent, that, are, that do their jobs and they do them well. But who's afraid of Diana Prince seems like very much of the old game, the old you know, you're a woman, you need a man, you need a... You can't carry a show. Right. Uh, you can only be uh, funny if you're unattractive. Absolutely, absolutely. Definitely, um, uh, definitely a man wrote this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 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 and, and you know what? It's funny because uh, when I think about the writers, two head writers for Carol Burnett, um, I mean, even Eunice 
she had her flaws and she was, you know, she was a loud mouth and she was tough and gritty, but you never thought uh, that she couldn't handle herself. Right. This Diana Prince, they didn't give her at all any of the, uh, I don't know, what's the word? Uh, reverence. Right. That you would give someone like Batman. Right. That Bruce Wayne got or that Batman got. Um, I, I would say to the writers, um, to speak to to them for a second, not to actually speak to them because they're probably dead. Uh, but it, it's, uh, I wonder what years they were the head writers because I have the recent Carol Burnett set that came out, which was the first few years of the series. And I, some of the sketches are by today's standards, uh, racist, uh, definitely homophobic, uh, just taking pot shots at the, uh, the very vulnerable in society. Yeah. Yeah. And the later seasons of Carol Burnett didn't, the sketches didn't really seem to be like that. And she even says in the special features that the show matured. So I'm wondering if they were in the first few years of Carol Burnett. I would even go so far as to say if Carol Burnett was maturing, then, you know, maybe this was a vehicle where they didn't have to follow that right. maturity right right where right. they could oh we can we can write we can we can go back to our old you know ways yeah <laughs> the, the the typical jokes of the time exactly or like five years prior to that exactly so to go to to i mean to to start it to start it what do we have we've got what i love and i hope this really was a part of the actual film it says ellie woodwalker as and then they cut to a comic book and the comic that they show at the beginning of there is Wonder Woman, of course, the the, the early volume one, number 156, and the cover date is August 1965, and that's her standing in front of the bullseye where all these these sort of missiles are coming at her. Um, and for the trivia buffs out there, the story in that comic book is one in which Wonder Woman reads a newspaper ad for a bookstore that's offering $100 per copy of the Golden Age Wonder Woman comics. <laughs> and it, I mean, the, fir the first panel is Steve Trevor you know, uh, swinging open the door to, to her offers of military intelligence saying, hey, Di, I always knew Wonder Woman was worth a million. <laughs> and, she, and and he holds up the newspaper. And Di as, as Diana Prince, she's looking at the newspaper and there's an ad about a bookstore that's offering $100 per copy of Golden Age. And they use that term, Golden Age Wonder Woman comics. Um, and so she goes to the bookstore to to examine the comics and and she uh she gets transported back to the quote unquote golden age by the dream merchant. Now he's he's the proprietor of the of the bookstore. Uh and she's transported back so that she relives and that's what the whole comic book is about uh her adventures as she's reliving a battle with the brain pirate. Okay. Uh and then at the end she's transported back and she's wondering, did I just, was that all a dream or was it real? And, uh, and it's, it's, and, it, and it's, it's pretty funky. And what's interesting too is Ross Andrew. I love Ross Andrew's art. Does a really good job of mim mimicking the style of Harry Peter. Yeah. Uh, when she's fighting in the, back in the quote unquote golden age.
And then we cut to um, Diana Prince in, in her apartment, uh, and it's thunder and lightning outside, and she's reading the newspaper, and the, fir- what ha- the first, right off the bat... And she falls. She she's, she's, tries to get up from the chair, and she falls, and she can't... It's a funny fall. Right. It's a funny fall, and her legs are still up on the chair, and she's trying to move, and she can't get up, but it's like, okay, well, this person can't even stay seated in her own chair. And her mother has to come in and help her up. Her mother who's <laughs> setting the table, wearing an apron. Oh, yes. Yes. Very much, you know, very much the mother. It seems so quiet here tonight. Well, thank goodness it's raining. There are no planes out tonight making all that noise. Oh, that's it. So it's thunder and lightning out. She goes, and Diana goes to the window. It's raining cats and dogs. Steve's plane must be grounded. Steve's plane must be grounded. Mm-hmm. So we've got Steve's yep. reference there right away. Mother, mother, I won't be having any dinner tonight. No dinner? No. Oh, don't be silly. Where do you think all that strength comes from? Those gods? No, from my cooking. I have to help Steve. He's waiting at the airport and there are no planes. Look, you're not so smart that you can't take a mother's advice. Now, this is no kind of a night for you to be flying around in that outfit again. Mother... This is the kind of a night for you to watch TV or read the newspaper. Eat your roughage. But the fate of the free world depends on me. All right. Eat first. Save the free world later. You can't be a decent martyr on an empty stomach. I mean, Monty Prickett's great. I think as the, as that kind of yeah yeah mother. But there's that one point where you wonder, well, who is she? Who is this woman? Is this this is this Hippolyta? Because at one yeah, point she, she and her mother makes uh, mention of the gods, and she looks up to the you know up to the ceiling, and I'm like, okay, so they mentioned the gods. Mm-hmm. So who's she? Right, right. And why is she, why are they both there? Right, why are they both there? Exactly. Where is this Wonder um, Woman from? A lot of questions right off the bat. Right, a lot of questions. It's her duty now to go help him. I guess you know. You're thinking with the invisible plane, right? <laughs> but we don't get, we don't get there. Uh, and and at the end, it's a whole different story, which I kind of found fascinating, right? Because they they let her fly. Anyway, right. Getting ahead. Getting ahead of myself. This can't wait. The, the nation, nation needs, needs Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. And what about Wonder Woman? Does the nation care what she needs? Like a fellow, for example? Huh? Please, ma, not now. Oh, sure, not now. Never. How do you expect to get a husband flying around all the time? Isn't it about time that you decide to stay in one spot for a change? You don't know how it feels to be the mother of an unmarried daughter your age. Why, the whole neighborhood's talking. Look at Lucille Maxwell. Why, she's 24 years old and got three kids already. But, Mark, she's not married. Details. Always details. Will you stop eating when I'm talking to you? Mom, I've got in a rush. Stop! I get two dates with the finest and the most eligible MDs, CPAs, PhDs, and what happens? Nothing. What do you want, anyway? An M-A-N. <laughs> a collective groan. Oh, my gosh. So we've got the, the overbearing mom, right? Yep. You need a husband. Yep. Yeah, you're going to go out and save you know, the world, but... But you, what you really ought to be doing is is having a, a husband and and not or flying around in that outfit. Mm-hmm. She disapproves. So we're just it's like a it's like a grocery list of of uh, there's they've sort of become tropes of what you know how women were presented, how they were looked yeah. upon, how they were uh, the offering of women in in media back then. Yeah. But again, you get the 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 style of the writing is very. I love that sort of. The one to uh, uh, bump, where you know uh, the mother says, "You, what are you gonna? What, you're 28 million years old. 27. <laughs> <laughs> 
Why can't you be more like Lucille Maxwell? She's 24 and has three kids already. But she's not married. She's not married. I love that. I love those little the little jokes there. But again, what we what do we've got? We've got she's 27 million years old. Right. I that's again that's that's pretty fascinating. It's one of these little things they whiz by like and she's been clumsy for that long of a time. Yeah, hello. 27 million years old and and she's still living with mom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> At least it's not a basement. They're on the same floor. All right, Diana. Save the world, but don't forget to wear your galoshes. There's a job to be done. By Wonder Woman. And it's this revolving wall. She goes in and she comes out. And then we've got William Dozier's famous Batman narration voice. Wonder Woman, who knows she has the strength of Hercules, who knows she has the wisdom of Athena, who knows she has the speed of Mercury, and who thinks she has the beauty of Aphrodite. She, she only thinks that. Yeah. Oh, boy. That poor actor. <laughs> I know. It's like adding insult but, to injury. It's like. But she played it to the hilt. She, she really. You know, she did the best she could with that. That is clear. If you're given material, either you either you fight it or you don't right. fight it. That whole mirror. She's sort of in love with herself and she's blowing kisses at herself and she's just admiring herself. I don't even know. I, I don't even know. I, I really don't have any words for that. It's It's not Wonder Woman. No, it's not. No. It's totally not. And um, it, may, it may be a twisted version of Kaniger's Wonder Woman, but it's not <laughs> Wonder Woman. <laughs> this is true. So, yeah, so she admires herself in the mirror uh, with the reflection, again, uh, being that of not her, but someone who, as it is presented and written for us, someone who is more attractive, yep. who is more beautiful than her. Yeah. And it's not even her as Diana Prince. It's her dressed as Wonder Woman seeing someone, again, quote unquote, more beautiful right. than she. Totally deluded. In the mirror. Totally deluded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not only that it, within the character, but what is that? I mean, when you, when, you, when, you show, when you look at that scene and you go, okay, she's seeing someone more beautiful than how she really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and therefore, we see it. Because it's a, it, it's it's being depicted that way. What does that say? I mean, what what are you trying to say to an audience? Yeah, right. Um, that 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 she's deluded. That she sees what she wants. She sees something beautiful, more beautiful than what she's portraying right now. Yeah, this this feminist icon. Exactly. Well, not quite a feminist icon yet. But will the male the male gaze comes yes. into this? Because yes. it's what the male would see or what the male would hope to see. Right. Um, it's just, it's just so, it's just so lousy. Uh, the way it's just, it's kind of depressing. Um, it, is. <laughs> it really is. So, uh, finally she moves away from the, from the mirror and, uh, she steps out of the window and, uh, and she goes to Steve and she doesn't step onto an invisible plane. She actually goes and flies. Away. Away, you vision of enchantment. You've got a job to do. It's goofy. And there's mother, you know, don't forget to call. If you get a chance, stop by Kansas City and say hello to Uncle Amos. You know how much he likes you. And so don't forget to pick up the phone and call when you get there, wherever you're going. 
I would love to know what the rest of the presentation was. I would love to read that script. I would love to know. You're right. I, if, I, if any of this was redeemed. Well, here's one redeeming quality about this, right? It never made it. Yes. <laughs> that is very true. Just Someone on the somewhere said, no, this is not Wonder Woman. I, I, I hope that that was the... the, the uh, expression uh, uh that's an idealistic uh thought that they said no this isn't wonder woman wonder woman's much better than this uh let's scrap this uh that's probably not how it went down but 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 it was it was done it was uh, put on a shelf and not seen again until the internet yeah until the internet oh my yeah God. the internet man yeah unless it was uh being touted around conventions who knows? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, hey, I mean, that's how I. That's I mean, hey, that's how I first got uh, the Linda Carter TV series was on uh, VHS tapes that I got from like you know comic book conventions. Oh, do you remember your first convention? It was a Star Trek convention put on by I forget who it was put on by, um, and it was at the Heinz Convention Center in Boston. It was it was early '90s or late '80s. Okay, but those were the conventions where I was walking down the aisles, and there were. These VHS tapes that were being sold with Wonder Woman episodes. And the first one I ever bought was The Feminine Mystique Parts 1 and 2. Ah, good choice. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to get that one. <laughs> and they were great because they had the, the countdown leaders at the beginning and then the, the bumpers, you know, you, you know, like uh, Wonder Woman will continue in a moment. That's the one we're going to hear right now, Ray. Is it? Because it is because we're going to leave. I don't know about you, but I was very afraid of that Diana Prince. Uh, who was afraid of Diana Prince? I, I was quite afraid of her, too. To not look at her as Wonder Woman, I enjoyed her. Uh, as Diana Prince, I was afraid of her. <laughs> but now we're going to move from who's afraid of Diana Prince, and we're going to go uh, about three or four years into the future, well, five or six years into the future, and we are going to talk about Kathy Lee Crosby as Wonder Woman. meow, 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 meow. Wonder Woman will continue in a moment. Emergency. Batman speaking. Warning all of you to brace yourselves for big news. The biggest. Tell them, Robin. Holy surprises, Batman. It's really exciting. Greetings, citizens. Join me, your old bat chum, John S. Drew, on my journey to discover what it is I love about the classic 1966 Batman television series on the Batcave podcast. Each episode, I'm joined by a guest host as we review the classic television series. There's a new episode every two weeks. Same bat time, same bat channel on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or at thebatcavepodcast.com. Holy memoranda, folks. Make a note not to miss it. Good thinking, Robin. 25-cent bus fare approved. Details at 11. Tuesday Movie of the Week. Presenting the world premiere of an original motion picture produced especially for ABC. Tonight on Tuesday Movie of the Week. 
The Wonder Woman. She's here. She should be eliminated. C'est la vie. Introducing Kathy Lee Crosby as Wonder Woman. ABC presents Tuesday Movie of the Week. And we are back uh, with Ray Caspio, and I am Paul K. Bisson. And now, since we've covered Who's Afraid of Diana Prince, uh, which uh, we were uh, both fair, very much afraid of that. Terrified. Uh, <laughs> terrified of that one. Um, we're going to move right on into Wonder Woman, the Kathy Lee Crosby uh TV movie, 1974. And um, just to pick up where, uh, where we were talking about earlier about Stanley Ralph Ross, when he, when the Wonder Woman, Who's Afraid of Diana Prince 30-minute uh, uh, debacle didn't uh, uh, gain traction and didn't go into a series, of course, naturally, uh, 20th Century Fox and ABC forgot about it. A few years later, Douglas Kramer calls up Stanley Ralph Ross again and says, hey, we're doing a Wonder Woman movie, may go to series, uh, I'd like you to write it. And uh, Stanley Ralph Ross says, oh, who do you got for, who do you have for Wonder Woman? And Doug says, Kathy Lee Crosby. And Stanley Ralph Ross says, well, wait a minute. No, that's wrong. She's, she's blonde. And Doug Kramer says, so what? <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Doug. <laughs> and Stanley Ralph Ross says, but she, but Wonder Woman is brunette. She has dark hair. He, he tells Doug Kramer, I read Wonder Woman. I read the comic books. Uh, and that's all wrong. And Doug Kramer says, well, we're going ahead with it. We, we want you to, uh, to write it. Stanley Ralph Ross says, I don't want anything to do with it. Good for him. Doug Kramer says, okay, fine. So Doug Kramer goes forward. Uh, with the Wonder Woman project and gets uh, Vincent uh, McEvity to direct it. Uh, now, as you might imagine, the directors of the time, they've done everything, right? So Vincent, uh, his works directing shows like uh, the original Star Trek and Gunsmoke, all the way up to Diagnosis Murder. Oh, wow. Uh, lots of TV shows, yeah. And uh, John D.F. Black... Kramer got to write it, develop it, the story, and write the story. And uh, Black, uh, very popular uh, writing for Star Trek, uh, the original series, and TNG, uh, Mission Impossible, Charlie's Angels. Again, as you can imagine, the directors and writers of the time, they had their hands in everything. Uh, and so Wonder Woman, simply titled Wonder Woman, aired on Tuesday night, March 12th, 1974 at 8.30 p.m., right after Happy Days. <laughs> On the ABC network. The cast, obviously, as as we said before, Kathy Lee Crosby. She was 29 years old when the movie aired. 29, okay. Uh, and presumably when it was uh, being uh, filmed the months before. Uh, of course, uh, she was a former Wimbledon tennis player in the 60s, the late 60s. And of course, we all know her from uh, the co-hosting with Fran Tarkington and John Davidson. That's incredible. <laughs> You'll be meeting these men. They're the world's most incredible talkers. I'm Kathy Lee Crosby. This is Jim Bullet Bailey. He'll be dragged down the track while holding on to this metal sled to over 160 miles an hour. 
I'm Fran Tarkin. From 1980 to 1984, and that was, uh, it's one of the first reality shows. Back then, they were they were unlike today's reality shows in that it, it was more of a still a presentational kind of show where they just went and they, sh- they, they, they found, like, incredible feats that people were doing. Before that, though, I mean, Kathy Lee Crosby, she, uh, according to IMDb, her her guest credits, there are a handful of TV series, including It Takes a Thief, Marcus Welby, Emergency, Barnaby Jones, Cannon, Shaft, The Night Stalker, uh, Hawaii Five-O, and she's been in various TV movies throughout the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s. Uh, if you go on her IMDb page, she's still, uh, she's a lot of experience uh, in her charity work, and she has the, the, the CLC uh, Entertainment, uh, Kathy Lee Crosby Entertainment. And uh, in 2016, when the, the hype for Gal Gadot's movie really was starting to gear up, Inside Edition interviewed Kathy Lee Crosby about the role. Of course, you know how all those, to you and me, we this is, this is old hat, right? This stuff is all old stuff. But, you know, something like a Wonder Woman movie comes out in the big screen and these people think they're going to dig up new information. And they're like, oh, you Linda Carter, you think she was Wonder Woman, but... <laughs> Here's the first one. (laughs) Right. And it's like, okay, well, you know, you're, you're, you're not, I mean, those things obviously aren't meant for the fans. They're meant for the, the casual person, which is fine. They showed Kathy Lee Crosby, you know, some uh, clips of her, of her movie. And she says that she has great memories from this movie. And, and they showed her pictures of Gal Gadot in her costume. And she she was looking at like, wow, oh, this is kind of different, right? (laughs) So, um, but uh, it's nice to see that she looks fondly on, uh, back upon Wonder Woman um, because uh, she should, right? I mean, uh, she was technically the first live action Wonder Woman to, to be put out to the masses. And I think she was delightful in the role for what it, for what, what was on the page and what we saw on the screen. Exactly. She really brought it to life. I agree. She really, um, uh, you know, when, when you get a script like that and you're playing essentially a secret agent, Mm -hmm. she was a great secret agent. She was, she was, she was capable. She was, she had that sort of duality where she had to be sort of, you know, not, not reveal everything because, you know, there were villains involved and all that stuff. I thought, I thought the interactions between her and Andrew Prine and, and Mercado Montalban were fantastic. I did too. And there was always such, um, there was such joy in, her portrayal she was always smiling you know i remember and i have to tell this to you folks um a couple of years back i did a uh uh, uh, I like video mashups. I, I have this weird thing where I like making short little videos and putting things weird, uh, similar things together in weird ways. And I made a uh, Kathy Lee Crosby Wonder Woman TV main title opening, and I put it to Linda Carter's third season. Yes, you did. Uh, music, and I remember. Ray, if, it, if people don't out, out there don't know this, but Ray is usually my uh, beta tester. He's usually <laughs> like, I, I send these videos out to him. And I say, hey, what do you think? Especially if they're Wonder Woman related. One of the uh, first notes that you sent back to me after seeing that was, can we keep the smile that Kathy Lee Crosby expresses once she dodges the car and jumps backflips up onto the awning i love that stunt it's a it's a brilliant brilliant action piece yeah and then it's just a close up of her smiling like she's you know she she's 
she gets the game. She's she's having yeah. she enjoy she's she's capable, but she's enjoying this little cat and mouse thing. Almost sort of a, a, a saying like you know you 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 little men. Yeah, exactly. You know. It was very Golden Age Wonder Woman to me. Oh, yes, exactly. She was enjoying it, and she was. Uh, it wasn't affecting her negatively. No, no. This was her. This was her job, and she has fun doing it, and she knows she can do it well. Right, right. And almost, so why not have a good time? It's almost like she knows that she's going to prevail, right? Mm-hmm. That the that and that uh, uh, she has this sort of understanding that okay, I'll and and like all the negative things that happened to her into this movie, she takes them all in stride. Yeah. But but that was one of the notes that Ray said to me. It's like we have to show her smiling at this. Like this, like this is, this is, uh, inconsequential to her that this, that this, you know, car just smashed the, the phone booth that she was just a moment ago talking in and, <laughs> and that she was prepared so much so that when the car tried dr- drives away, she tags it with one of her bracelets to track the thing. Right. You know, so right. this is, she's prepared and she's capable and she's, she's having fun. So, but yeah. And I, I got that note and I said, holy cow, because I didn't, I didn't have her that smile in there. It's, it went to the next shot. And when I put it back in, damned if it wasn't, it made it just perfect. That yeah. smile, perfect. So go on YouTube, look up Kathy Lee Crosby, Wonder Woman mashup, and you'll see uh, the, the video that I made. Is it a General Blanket Chips? Yeah, it's, Is you your, can look it up under General Blanket Chips. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or or satin tights, uh, uh, and you'll you'll find it. Yeah, General Blanket Chips was a name that was um, when my friend Scott he uh, introduced his daughter, who at the time was like I don't know maybe seven, eight, nine, to uh, Wonder Woman, and um, General Blanket Ship came on screen, and he was saying that's that's the General Blanket Ship, and this is you know to you, Trevor, and she called him General Blanket Chips. I love it, and I said. Perfect. That's that's it. That's what I'm going to use. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, the movie officially was released uh, on Bare Bones DVDR, which is sort of like a uh, an on demand type thing, and you can still. It was released back in December 11th, 19, uh, 2012, and you can still buy it yeah, on Amazon for about ten bucks. So, and it's also on. Um Amazon streaming too. Really? I think I saw it today to rent for two ninety nine. Awesome. Uh, next is Kaz Garris. Kaz Gar- I hope I'm pronouncing that last name or Kaz Garras or whatever. I mean, it's an interesting first name, Kaz. I always thought it was Garris. Yeah. Now, according to his IMDb, he Garris was a regular on the English series Strange Report, uh, and he guested in lots of TV shows in the late sixties, uh, all the way through the early two thousands, like uh, Gunsmoke, Mod Squad, FBI, Ironside, Police. Woman, Streets of San Francisco, Powers of Matthew Starr, uh, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, A-Team. And of course, he starred in Linda Carter's Wonder Woman as Lucas in the episode Going, Going, Gone, where he has scenes with Lyle Wagner. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. Pleasure doing business with you. Too bad there won't be a next time. That's true. Hold it. You've heard the old expression, turnabout is fair play. Now you, you're going to deliver the money. And you, you just become an insurance policy gets worse before it gets better that's right too bad you're such a slow learner get moving very sort of weird to see that. Uh, Gar- Garris also guest starred uh, in Partners in Crime, starring Lonnie Anderson and Linda Carter. I recently rewatched that whole series. Did you really? Uh, yes. By recent, I mean two years ago. 
okay. That's that's recent. That is well. Uh, yeah. Some episodes were good. I think Linda herself has acknowledged that uh, she really didn't want to do that show. She had just married. And she said it took her away from uh, her husband from Washington, and she was ready for it to go when it ended. Yeah, that's it's yeah, for what it is. Look, I take great enjoyment. It, there's there's a point where you're so enamored of someone that uh, you will you'll watch the stuff that they're in, and you'll take away all the the good parts, and you you'll enjoy it for what it is. Uh, for for my part, I loved seeing Linda in something not Wonder Woman, uh, playing another role, having some uh, some sort of fun, getting into weird situa- weird situations with Lonnie Anderson, playing up that sort of comedic side. I love that. Yeah. And music, I believe, by Johnny Harris. Absolutely. For many of the episodes. There you go. He also, he did the theme. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, how does that theme go? Down, 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 Anyway. It was very um, 80s. It was a very right. 80s theme. Oh, I loved that. Remember how it began? Wasn't it like a puzzle pieces? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Andrew Prine. Now, he's one of those actors, okay, who has been in everything from the late 50s to the 20 teens. Um, I remember Andrew Prine from his role as Steven, one of the alien visitors in the V miniseries. Mm. Uh, yeah, he befriended one of the older uh, socialite women to try and manipulate her into helping them in their cause. But Andrew Prine has been in every, you can't, you can't spit at, at, at a TV show from the, you know, 60s, 70s and 80s, 90s without hitting a, a, a someone with Andrew. And I just watched a, uh, one of my favorite Star Trek, the next generation episodes, frame of mind. There's Andrew Prine playing an alien. Um, was he George in this? George. Am I saying that right? He, <laughs> George. Say that again, Let me try it for again, a fourth Ray. time. George. That's that's quite good, Ray. Oh, thank that's, you. Thank you. That's quite good. And of course, you are uh, personifying the robust <laughs> French French accent provided by none other than Ricardo Montalban, who needs no introduction uh, whatsoever. Uh, but apparently he did in this movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ, like he's Dr. Claw or something. It's like, we know the voice. You can show his face. This isn't a mystery. It's like, even, I don't know. It's so funny. When I, I remember even when watching this as a kid, that's, that's, that's Mr. Rourke. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was like, that's Mr. Why is Mr. Rourke terrorizing this weird Wonder Woman person? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Ricardo Montalban, hello. Uh, working in film and TV since the 1940s. I grew up watching him as Mr. Rourke on Fantasy Island. Welcome to Fantasy Island. Um, and uh, he also played a minor little villain in the Star Trek universe. Uh, not really very memorable. Anitra Ford. Mm. Great first name, Anitra. And she also has a great first name in the movie, Angela. Angela. Which is spelled A-H-N-G-E-L-A. Of course it would be. Fantastic. Angela. Um, great but hair. She, she only had a, a handful of TV show credits before and after Wonder Woman. But her claim to fame, really, was she was one of the original Price is Right models from 1972 to 1976. Wow. That's hundreds of editions of, of The wow. Price is Right. Wow. Good for her. That's a hundred new cars. That's thousands of... A of <laughs> hundred Plinkos. 
a thousand new ranges, you know, and refrigerators from Frigidaire. But she was just saucy and sultry and beautiful. And and definitely, uh, I can see her as being one of the Price is Right models, just, you know, just looking gorgeous, uh, you know, standing next to a, 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 you know, a microwave oven. As everyone does. As, as, I do. I know. I mean, when I'm when I'm heating, heating up a Hot Pocket, Ray, mm. I have to caress the top of the 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 the, oh, the sides of it, you know, and just, you know. <laughs> oh, the things you're making me feel right now. The Hot Pocket. Hot Pocket. Um, <laughs> Anitra Ford, where am I? Okay, yes. She starred in 1973's Invasion of the B-Girls. And she was in the longest yard, the longest yard, the 1974 movie, uh, which starred Burt Reynolds. Now, um, Charlene Holt, who plays Diana's mother, she's not referred to as a queen. Nope. She's not referred to as Hippolyta. She's got a bunch of credits leading up to Wonder Woman, like Alfred Hitchcock, Hour, and Burke's Law, and Perry Mason, Barnaby Jones, Police Story. Uh, but there's not much else there that she's done. But really, Wonder Woman is also studded with. Uh, recognizable faces from all over TV, from uh, Jordan Rhodes, who plays Bob. This is your surprise for today. Um, and Richard X. Slattery, who plays one of the technicians working on the mule, the borough, as they call him. And of course, rounding out the cast is Robert Porter and Donna Garrett. Now, um, as the twins, Joey and Cass. Now, Porter has a handful of TV and movie credits like Big Valley and Gunsmoke and Emergency and all that stuff, and McKenna's Gold, uh, and the move and a couple of uh, movies uh, like uh, Trip with the Teacher. But most of Donna Garrett's credits are stunt credits. That's why she never talks. Yeah. <laughs> I've been wondering tons tons and tons of doubling work as well as like stunt coordinator work. Just tons and tons on our IMDb page. Cool. Awesome. So anyway, that is our cast for and our director and our writer uh, for Wonder Woman, the ABC TV movie in 1974, right after Happy Days. When did you first see this, Paul? Probably in the 80s um, on like Saturday movie matinee at four. Okay. (laughs) Wonder Woman. I'm like... Who's that? <laughs> it's like she looks like a, a star-spangled cheerleader. Yeah. Did you so you had no idea that this existed? Not until the yeah, not until the eighties. Uh I had I had none whatsoever. I was like, wait, Wonder Woman's gonna be on only once on Saturday afternoon after Creature Double Feature? How's that? And then I watched it and I'm like, this is weird. It's like the first time I saw the Batman movie. The sixties one. Yeah. I was like, well, this is weird. Like, where's the series? This is just, it's a one-off. Like, Batman was easier to digest because it was Batman. But this was not the Linda Carter Wonder Woman. Definitely not. When did you first see this? Or what was your first impressions of this movie? Uh, I first saw this in the 90s. It was on a USA Up All Night. And I remember setting my VCR to record it. And it missed the first, like, minute. And I was so mad because I felt I was not going to get the complete experience. And I almost did not watch the tape because I was so mad that I had missed uh, the setup. Watching it back now, I realized I only missed, like, shots of books and (laughs) ticks of a clock and maybe a hand. Or some polyester clothing. Um, but in the 90s, I was as a teenager, I was very upset. Somebody as a kid who was, like, married to their TV. Um, wow. So I, gosh, I'd been watching 
Linda's show since I was three by this point. So this, I don't know, 14 years in, um, I was confused. I didn't understand like how this fit into the timeline. So I ended up doing a, uh, the timeline of the series, the Wonder Woman series. So I ended up doing a report in high school about, um, superheroes on TV as an excuse really to research this and the Wonder Woman TV series. Uh, I, I remember, I think I enjoyed it. It wasn't like something I wanted to go back and watch again, but I still have the uh, VHS cassette in a box that is about 10 feet away from me, actually, with a bunch of other cassettes. I want to know if you still have that report. Uh, I do not. Oh. And if there were no computers at that time, at least that I was using. So I don't even, I don't, I have no copy of the report. It was but a it handwritten was, report. It was, I typed it on a typewriter. Did you draw pictures? Um, I did not draw any pictures, but I had photos of Linda as Wonder Woman, Dean Cain as Superman, uh, Kathy Lee Crosby, Batman, of course. Um, and I got an A. So there you go. My history of superheroes on TV. I think that's fantastic. I would have loved to have read that report. I, I See, so you should have known that at some point you were going to be talking about Wonder Woman on a podcast. I should have known in the 90s that this was going to happen, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's, uh, let's get into this story. It opens up. Uh, number one, I love... The music. Me too. It is so so groovy. Yeah, Artie Butler is the uh, incidentally another Artie uh, doing Wonder Woman music. But Artie Artie Butler's music it's funky. It's it has a cool sort of. Uh, it's very street, mm-hmm. um, and I just love it. And and you get that old fashioned, you know, Warner Brothers logo mm-hmm. coming at you at the screen, and you got that. I'm. It's just a piece of. Inside news, what? Neil S. Bulk, who is the uh, producer, he produced the three CD uh, collection of uh, the Wonder Woman TV series, yeah, which you can get from La La Land Records, LaLaLandRecords.com. Um, while he was searching the Warner archives for the TV series, and he kept coming across uh, Artie Butler's score for this movie. So huh. uh, it's there. In the vaults, and uh, you know, I I, uh, I I feel like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna hit I'm gonna hit uh, Neil up and say, hey, think we could get a uh, Wonder Woman 1974 soundtrack out because he says uh, the tapes are there. So cool. They should do another three disc set and make that one of the discs, and then two discs from the Linda series. Neil, are you listening? You should come on the show sometime. Uh, I would like Screaming Javelin. I would like Iraq is Missing. I would like uh, Light Fingered Lady. I know you're having issues finding the ABC stuff. I read that in the liner notes. Um, but I think you should keep looking. And I think you should definitely get Beauty on Parade. And uh, what else? Fausta. I, that Those are my requests. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> and he might be. Who knows? He. Uh, we're gonna. We are gonna have him on the show as guests. We're gonna talk about the in depth. We're gonna talk about uh, his journey from 
getting the assignment to delving into those archives and selecting the pieces he selected. So I am so excited about that. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk to him. We're also going to talk to, I mean, talking about the music. Uh, here we are again, going off on a tangent, Ray. Here we are. Well, this is what happens. We're going to talk to um, all kinds of people. We're going to we're going to interview uh, Johnny Harris. We're going to talk with him to see how he came uh, to work on Wonder Woman. Uh, he it's a it's a for for Linda Carter fans it's a much more interesting story than you may have thought he uh, he he and Linda Carter uh, to hear them talk about each other they're like brother and sister and uh, and she brought him on that show uh, so it's a it's a really great story of how those two met and how he came on to do Wonder Woman and I I did speak with Charles Fox uh, um, and he did agree to come on and we'll talk with him when his uh, schedule permits excellent but we're also gonna talk with why is my head going blank no did somebody steal your mind was it a mind stealer from outer space wow wow that's really that's wow you're good I'm so quick we're also gonna talk with John. Baller, who was the lead singer for the Wonder Woman season one main title, season two. He's the one who sang, you know, in your satin tights, fighting for your rights. So we'll talk with him. Anyway, um, that's neither here. To, we're not talking about that right now, Ray. We love the music in this movie. Nice save. We just had to go off on a tangent. A- absolutely. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, so we begin with that funky sting uh, over the uh, Warner Brothers uh, logo, and then we get into uh, Ro- uh, Ray's favorite uh, scene in the movie with the uh, the, t- the ticking uh, stopwatch Ugh. and all of the uh, uh, MPs all across the, the 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 globe, from you know Rio de Janeiro to Paris and Berlin and Istanbul and London, grabbing these most secret, not top secret. Most secret, most secret uh, books, and um, and I and that happens for what eight or nine minutes, according to that stopwatch. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and it feels that way. <laughs> okay, um, but it was hey, this was TV at that time. It took it, exactly. it took its time exactly. It took its time, uh, and then we cut to uh, Andrew Prime. Who is uh, George. He, George, exactly. His gum-chewing George. Yes. Uh, and he's got all the MPs there. He's got all the books. And he's like, hey, guys, great job. Uh, why don't you have a drink? And they go to get plastered. And very dramatically, in come through the double doors is Joey and Cass, two twins. Tell us about the twins' way. Tell us way? about the twins' way. Tell us uh, about the uh, very, very I will, quiet. I will tell you all about the twins. I'm hunting rabbits. Uh, <laughs> Joey has really good hair. Yes. And that's all you need to know about Joey. He also has lines. Cass looks very upset about something. I don't know. Maybe it's that she doesn't have any lines. <laughs> Uh, but they look alike, and they're wearing leather jackets. They look alike. Well, they're both they they, <laughs> they look alike. They look alike. They both got the brown hair. <laughs> uh, they're both a little androgynous, and um, they have guns. So I just feel they look alike. True, true. Yeah, they they definitely look alike, and, uh, and they and they kill all those the, the MPs. Yes, they do. They shoot. They, them. they assassinate them. They shoot them with guns. But wait a 
a minute, though. Wait a minute. Cass has a line here. She says... Does she? Yeah. What does she, she say? says... He's not going to like this, George. That's right. See? <laughs> Cass, I am so sorry that I missed your line. I was looking at Joey's hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, they say, you know, wa- wa- you know, he's like, hey, more money for us. And then with that, they, we cut into the main title, the funky theme and sort of animated. With the javelin. The, the javelin rod. And she's. Yep. It's very 70s. It is. It's very 70s and it's very red, white, and blue. Yes. Mm-hmm. With that, we go into act one. It was perhaps inevitable that the man-made world would one day require a unique woman. A wonder woman. And we get this narration and we see this island that day has come. Very uh, classical Hollywood, what they thought Greece was. It's at night, and there are these are these fire uh, torches. You are that unique woman, Diana. You will be the Wonder Woman. Kathy Lee Crosby is revealed. So having parted from the many sisters you've known all the days of your life, now part from these few who are your closest friends. Part from them with the same dignity and strength your new life will demand. I love the handshakes. You make a sacrifice I could never make, Diana. Over and then under. Yeah, the, uh, they kind of clang them together, don't they? There's a ritual to it. And I would go in your place without hesitation. The wonders of the outside world. There is no greater wonder than the peace and the joy we have on our island, Angela. One thing about uh, this, this Paradise Island seems very mystical and magical, which Linda's did not. How I shall miss you, Ting. No, Linda's was very sort of regal and uh, and you, my sister, just very royal. But you're right. This this all this seemed very mystical. Never are they referred to as Amazons. Never uh, is is that woman referred to as a queen or anything. It's it. Nothing is revealed in the entire movie about this island of women. Doesn't that always seem to be the case with Wonder Woman, except for? you know, Linda's show in the movie, there's a complete shunning of her mythology because, I mean, for whatever reason, I always assume it's that they assume that people can't handle her origin um, or that it's too complicated. Right. Or it's it's better to be mysterious than to, like, give details. Right. Right. But the details are okay. It's okay to say she's a princess on this on Paradise Island, and that this is her mother. You're endowed with extraordinary wisdom, love, and strength, daughter. And now you're charged with a mission. To accomplish that mission, you must leave this island. You must adopt other ways, for that is the only true means of taking our pure and true love of justice and right to that world beyond ours here. There's deep sadness in having you leave us, but there's also joy the hope that your presence in the world of man will open closed eyes to the genuine value of women. That you'll never lose the sensitivity that is our real strength. You carry with you our love. I love that. I find that I love it. fascinating that the mission statement is stated very directly and plainly here. She's going out because the world needs her. And and her mission is to enlighten 
the world to the genuine value of women. Mm-hmm. Dude, Linda Carter's show never did that. No, no. It never did. I mean, there's no Steve Trevor crash landing to as the catalyst or impetus for her to leave the island. Right. She's, yeah, she's going because this was always foretold. Exactly. There's no love. There's no romance. She's not drawn by a man to go to go out into man's world. They're stating this crazy, crazy idea. They need you. <laughs> it has more connect it has more in connection with the first Linda Carter pilot movie than the than the rest of the series yeah. and yet it it goes just maybe a notch further in stating exactly this is what Wonder Woman is. I found that fascinating. I keep circling it in my notes. Angela is one of her closest friends. <laughs> but her real friend didn't get a name <laughs> when she arrives. Right. We'll talk about that right. later. Right. Um, we dissolve, uh, this blur dissolve into bustling, you know, urban city of America. And what do we see? For all intents and purposes, she is a secretary, uh, you know, uh, serving uh, uh, this guy in an office building. Yep. They don't, they, and they don't say what this office is. Nope. Uh, she's sitting there and uh, and we're in, she goes into the office and there's this blonde guy, uh, Kaz Garris. Um, it's uh, presumably at this point, Steve Trevor, because uh, he's not named yet, but he's negotiating a prisoner exchange. Uh, so we know that he has some high level He's doing high level top secret stuff on the international level. And she says, hey, you got to, you know, there's stuff waiting for you. And he says, hey, you're, you're one step ahead of me, Diana, And which right off the bat, we know that he places a lot of faith in her and he admires her for what she's doing. Yes, he, he he's clearly in on uh her abilities as Wonder Woman. So she goes back, sits at her desk, and all the guys are milling about, and then Bob comes out right. <laughs> with a little rose for her and says, this is today's surprise. Oh. <laughs> is he the one who does that patronizing finger kiss yes! on her? And then, look, hey, maybe she wants to have dinner with him, but, you know, don't, don't, don't make up your mind right away, Diana. You, you, you think on that while I go in here for this special meeting. You lowly little secretary. They go in and we learn what the plot is. Gentlemen, the complete list of all our agents in the field, their cover identities, and their specific assignments has been stolen. As you all know, an agent in the field reports in every 72 hours at a prearranged time at 10-minute intervals, which means that we are completely out of touch with all of our agents for the next 72 hours. They can't be reached or warned between communications. If those lists and codes fall into the hands of our adversaries, our people will be at their mercy for the next three days. Completely vulnerable to be apprehended or eliminated. And with those 39 lives lost, our entire organization will cease to exist in that one deadly sweep. You will contact us again in one of our top secret codes as to where and how. The ransom is to be paid. $15 million in cash. One of three guys has stolen the books. Our possible thieves appear to be a silent film villain. British crime cartel headed by Winston Thomas with headquarters in Landoff, Wales. A dog walker. Charles Sangri, freelance operative without nationality, last known location, Caracas, Venezuela. And a cane. And Abner Smith, a contractor who sets up intelligence operations for any number of nations. Last known location, Cop d'Antibes, France. Never photographed. This is a car used in an operation last year. Diana goes with the cane. Johnny, tell them what they've won. You've won a trip on a burrow. 
and a that's brilliant. Nice little clay bath. That's also maybe cement. <laughs> maybe it's water. We don't know. It doesn't stick to anything, apparently. <laughs> but it hardens really fast. We're getting so far ahead. I know. We can't. Sorry, spoiler alert. So as I said, each one of the guys, including Bob, has an hour to come up with a plan to get the books back. Diana does it in a second. <laughs> right. It's just uh, like, so- I'm going. Okay. When all the guys leave, Diana comes in and Steve, they have this little discussion about... You know, it's it's a little bit of a wordplay about her going to get the books herself. Steve, I'll be away from the office for a while. A dental appointment, I lost a filling. I hope you'll feel up to coming in tomorrow. We never know how long these things will take. Phone in and let me know. First chance I get. At times like this, I really worry about you. I know. But please don't. I'm sure I can handle it. If anyone can, you can. Let me just make sure our audience has this. He's given... A directive to like seven guys that they each have an hour to come up with a plan. And yet when they leave, he knows that Diana is already going to choose one and set out to get them. Yes. He's not waiting for a plan from her. Uh, and he knows that that's what she's going to do. And yet, Ray, they have this weird kind of wordplay game. About a dentist. Which dentist are you going to try? I think the French one. Intuition? I would have guessed the English. C'est la vie. It's so weird. It's very, it's so confusing. It is. And you think for a moment, oh, wow, Steve knows she's Wonder Woman. Right. And so he's going to send her out to get the books while everyone else thinks that they're coming up with a plan right you think and 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 for a moment you think that's ingenious yeah until we get to her arriving in uh in france coming into the hotel yes wearing wearing much uh a, a white and uh red outfit much like uh what uh wonder woman wears in the bushwhackers oh that's right yeah if if, if she was wearing white pants yeah. It would be totally yeah. what Wonder Woman wears in the Bushwhackers. And then uh, Joey, one of the twins, picks up the phone and says, Wonder Woman, she's here. How do they know she's Wonder Woman, but the guys in the office have no idea? If this is a known thing... Apparently everybody knows she's Wonder Woman. Except apparently. the agents working with her. It, that, it makes no sense. I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. How? Wait a minute. How does Bob... <laughs> Not know that she's Wonder Woman when Joey knows. Right. I think this was all to just show the chemistry between Diana and Steve, their whole chat, to show that they do have a relationship with each other. Right. Right. That it was mystery for mystery's sake. The dialogue was right. was gameplay. It was wordplay for them to show that they are intimate. Yes. And in a much more adult way than uh, Linda and Lyle ever seemed to be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like they know they each they each know and have a certain the certain sort of um, understanding that that this is what she's does and this is just a cover and he's in on it and and they have this sort of uh, masked discussion about what what she's going to do and what he knows that she's going to do. Uh, I mean, no one is the wiser except everybody except everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not an agent. 
that's not an agent for this organization. Exactly. Glad our country's in good hands. So, uh, right. So she arrives in France and uh, she's re- she referred to as Wonder Woman by uh, Twin Joey. I call him Twin Joey. There's Twin Joey and Twin Cass. Beautiful hair in this one. Right. In right. Gorgeous hair. Gorgeous hair. And he calls George. George. I can't. I can't you know, I was just going to say George, but I cannot do it now that you've, that you've set the bar. That is not his name. It's George. <laughs> you, you set the bar so high. Is George. It's See, George. You, I can't even do it as well as you do. George. 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 I'm probably saying it different every time I'm terrible with accents. So George argues with Abner. She should be eliminated. Just delay, George, 72 hours. Just delay, George, 72 hours. Violence and mayhem, that's so gauche. He can hold her in her room, if he's able to. I don't agree with you, Mr. Smith. This isn't a democracy, George. We don't take a vote here. You're the boss. Yes, George. I am. We realize, obviously, now that the person that she's chosen to go after. Abner. Abner Smith. <laughs> Abner! Abner! <laughs> Who is also Dr. Claw and George Steinbrenner. Uh, we just don't get to see his face. Just as frickin' Kane. Right, right. But I think maybe in French, it's Abner. 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 <laughs> Smythe. Uh, maybe i don't know but abner smith is uh who he is right so anyway george argues with abner about killing her you know we should kill her and he's dressed like uh, mackenzie phillips from one day at a time <laughs> in this scene uh but anyway joey is charged with detaining her yeah and she goes into the elevator she hears him plop down and he, she falls down from the the elevator shaft and the door's open and she kicks him out Fantastic! Yeah, right out the door. There goes that hair. Loved it! And she's, you know, it's like her day was never interrupted. <laughs> she uh, exits the elevator, goes to her hotel room. Typical hotel check in for D. <laughs> for D. Yeah. Hey, D. Hey, D. Um, <laughs> we got D and George. George. And Ab. <laughs> Oh, my, my throat. Um, <clears throat> she goes to her bed and opens up her suitcase. And what do we find, Ray? We find jewelry. We find that Dee's got all the dollars. Dee's got all the dollars, yo. Yes, she does. Oh, man. She's got these bracelets. They're, they're gaudy as all hell. But for 1974. She, she was uh, decked out with her costume jewelry. Very chic. And uh, as this is happening, I believe... The phone rings, right? Phone rings. And before she picks it up, she, of course, she notices that the flowers are bugged. Yes. And the, another clock is ticking for us, by the way. What's that one disease where um, if you hear somebody chewing, yes, I- it drives you insane? Miso something? Miso annoyed. Miso annoyed, yes. Uh, I think I have that with clock ticking. Hello? Of course, it's uh, Georges who's just uh, uh, playing the fool, saying that, hey, you know, I saw you in the lobby, and you you looked smoking, and look, I want to, you know, uh, I need to have you. Let's have have lunch. Um, Exact lines. Exact lines from the original script. I need to have you. I needs to have you. I had it. You are so totally captivating. 
Let me make love to you. Why? Because your eyes reach into you my... You misunderstood me. I didn't mean why should you want to. I meant why should I? Don't you find me attractive? Appealing? Yes. But there are quite a few attractive and appealing men in this world. I don't care about the others. Oh, George. You don't... You're fast. I like you. Thank you. Now, if you'll excuse me. There's no reason to run away. Oh, I know that, George. Good night. Why should I want to make love to you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was fantastic. Burn. She says, thank you, but no thanks. Gets up and leaves. Uh, and then, of course, Diana reports in to Steve. Steve Trevor. Now we've got the first and last name, officially. Steve Trevor. Uh, and she starts to, you know, talk to him, tell him what's going on. And then lights flash in her eyes, and boom, there is a car headed straight for her. Cut to commercial. Wonder Woman will continue in a moment. Wonder Woman is one of the greatest, most long-lived, and visibly recognizable icons of female empowerment the world has ever known. That's a crushing weight of expectation to place on someone's shoulders. And Princess Diana of the Amazons has faced scathing criticism for her entire existence as a result. I'm Diablo Frank, and I've been a fan of the Amazing Amazon for my entire life. But she didn't become one of my absolute favorite superheroes until the 1990s. That doesn't seem all that long ago to me, but every year I meet more adults who are otherwise preoccupied getting born around them, so I guess it's been a spell. I try to be a good feminist and all-around decent guy, but I'm still a human being chock full of character flaws quirks, and hang-ups that make me less than anyone's ideal. Despite being an admirable heroine fighting for her rights in her satin tights, Wonder Woman is as human as Adam, and they have the same basic origin. But boy, did that guy make a mess of things. Shouldn't we extend someone with Wonder Woman's track record the same courtesy and empathy we can and should offer to the rest of the world? To be truthful, I'm not a typical fan of the Paradise Island set. I'm not big on mythology, and I'm highly critical of the most popular Themyscira stories. I like it when Wonder Woman loses her powers and hangs out with a tiny blind Asian martial arts master named Ai Ching, or when she works at Taco Bell and helps collect child support for a co-worker from a deadbeat mafioso dad, or when she rides around on kangaroo ponies from outer space and is a little too into bondage and spanking for the squares. Wonder Woman is great, but I really miss Diana Prince, the reminder that the heroine feels and fails and bleeds like the rest of us. That's why I call my podcast about her Diana Prince Wonder Woman, and the music playing in the background is from the off-model Kathy Lee Crosby TV movie from 1974, because I like to remember there's a woman behind all that wonder, and I'd like to talk about her if you care to listen on iTunes, Shout Engine, and the Internet Archive. And we open with Act Two. Diana dodges that car, leaps up to the awning, flips over. Smiles. That was awesome. And her eyes are like cat eyes. There's something so cat-like about her eyes, and it makes me want to look at them and the the, the joy in, in, in them. I love it. I love that stuff. She's having a good time. Yes, she is. And she sticks one of her tracking bracelets to the car as it screams away. She's tracked it to this estate, and there's wine champagne waiting for her and she dumps it quickly because she's not going to partake no. and then she hears the the party goers in the pool and someone screaming oh no oh no a little bit like charlotte ray and oh mr drummond <laughs> oh, Bla- oh blair too <laughs> she runs to the pool nobody's there 
and she see, it's an audio tape. That's right. Uh, and she shuts it off, and uh, she gets a call from Abner. A concealed, once again, right? <laughs> like we don't know it's Ricardo Montalban. Hello. We uh, haven't met, and I, I really hate to have a guest at one of my parties that uh, I haven't welcomed personally. Then you weren't in your car when it attempted to run me down earlier. I was totally unaware of anything like that happening. I'll discuss it with George, I promise. Now, to more pleasant things. If you'd like to swim, you'll find a bathing attire in the cabana. Well, that's very kind of you, but I only came by to rescue the books you borrowed. You have my word of honor, my word of honor, that they will be returned the moment I have the proper response from your uh, Mr. Treble. I find it very difficult to accept your word of honor with 39 lives at stake, Mr. Smith. Ah, you do know who I am, huh? I was wondering if you did. I'll tell you something right now. I, every scene in which she has this sort of dialogue gameplay with Georges or Abner is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I agree. So playful. Yeah, really. He, he says, well, I got to go. Exact words from original script. And then uh, hangs up. And then she hears a car pulling away. And she runs. And it's Abner in the car. He was right there. And so the gate closes, right? Abner makes his escape, leaving behind the bracelet. So he lets her know, hey, yeah, I know. That we were tracked. I'm up to your game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what she does is she uses the bracelet to test the fence, the gate, and finds that it's rigged with electricity, you know, and which begs the question, if he really doesn't want to kill her, why is he rigging the fence to kill her? (laughs) Oh, to delay her. Ooh. Because it's all part of their game. Back at the hotel... She sets up a distraction because she feels that perhaps maybe George George. might be waiting for her in her room. So she goes to another room. And of course, she's greeted with more of this sort of slimy, gooey finger. Oh, please come into my room. Please. Yes. So she gets this, this guy to ring her room in order to distract George. So that she can make an entrance while he's probably on the phone. That's right. right. Yes. Thank you for explaining that to me. (laughs) Because I had no idea that's what was going on. Really? Come on. Really? Because when she opens the door, he's on the phone. He's like, what the hell's going on? You know? But but still, to no avail, because the twins come up behind her. And Joey's hair is terrible. It's really done and blow-dried and sprayed, and he looks awful. It looks like Abner's hair. And it's like, yeah, exactly. And this is the only scene in this whole movie that it looks this bad. So I don't know what was going on with the hair person that day. So she's in the room. And now I know why. And now you know why. Uh, what's going on. Yes. Right. So, so. And uh, he's there to take her out. You're not surprised. I wanted to surprise you. I take it the uh, trunk is for me. Had to guess your dimensions, but uh, I think it'll fit. In case it's not clear to you, let me make it clear. Abner's convinced your life is necessary. I'm not. I never would have guessed it, George. So don't force us to damage you before we put you in the trunk. You wouldn't like that. And since he's still the boss, I'd hate to have to explain it to him. The twins start approaching her. I just can't let you put me in that trunk, George. (laughs) I thought you couldn't. As we cut, it's a very short act two. We cut. it does. At the end of act two. Yeah, it's a really short act two, and we go to commercial. But we're not going to go to commercial. We're going right into act three. (laughs) 
where Diana dispatches the twins and George easily with a kick and a chop and a karate stance. Loved it. Again, it's was something really interesting about this movie. All those little action scenes, they're really great. Yeah, they're a bit stiff and choreographed, but that's just the editing of the time. The editing was very, we're going to show this scene for all it's worth. There's no yeah. fast cutting, this and that, but uh, and for what it is. At least you could see it. Yes, exactly. For what it's it is. It's not dark lighting. You see everything. And it's very well done. She takes care of them and then she's on her way yep. to New York. Abner Smith is shocked, shocked, I tell you, Abner, to learn of her arrival a whole hour ahead of him. (gasps) And they're still hiding his face. Right. right. Uh, Meanwhile, Steve Trevor opens up Abner's quote unquote messenger. Pursuant to your instructions, our lab people checked it out by every method, except probing an x-ray. I guess is it's not a bomb. Those instructions came from the thief and I'm to be alone when I open it. Could be there's an assassin in there, Steve. Sound test picked up a heartbeat or something like it. I have no choice but to follow their instructions, Colonel. It's a necessary risk. All right. Be careful, Steve. Thanks, Morris. It's a, it's a, it's a burra. It's a burra, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a burra. It's a burra, George, as they call it. George, it's the burra. And that's the uh, messenger. <clears throat> so uh, back to New York, the twins plant a snake in Diana's hotel room. Yeah. Hello? This is George. I just got in. I'm sure you didn't call to chat, George. I called to invite you to lunch. George distracts her with a phone call inviting her to lunch while he remotely releases the snake, which coils itself Ooh, around her I hate foot. snakes. Who are you, Jamie Summers? Why, George? I've been told to make you a proposition. Business, of course. How about 1230? Fine. Shall I pick you up? I brought your trunk. That's very thoughtful, George, but I'd just as soon meet you there. Try not to be late. Coolly, Diana sends for a waiter to quickly bring a saucer of milk. Send up a container of milk and a saucer and tell the waiter to let himself into the room, but to take his shoes off in the hall first. Yes, that's what I said. And tell him there's a $50 tip if he gets in the next minute. He arrives and comically follows her instructions and lays the milk on the floor near her and the snake uncoils and slithers to the milk while she escapes. Paul, yeah. do snakes like milk? I have no freaking idea. What is going on What the on hell here? is wrong with the universe? What are snakes drinking milk for? I am Googling this right now. <laughs> do, oh wait. I need to find this out. Really? Do snakes like milk? During this interlude, here's a little bit of music from the Wonder Woman 3-disc collection. (laughs) Uh, Do snakes like milk? There is a YouTube video. No. 
I am going to tell you. No. What is this guy doing? I might regret watching this. Snakes and milk, and there's a guy doing something? Turn that off. I did. Snakes drink water and do not drink milk. They are reptiles and have no association with milk. Only mammals that have mammary glands can produce milk, and thus a liking for milk in non-mammals is unlikely. When severely dehydrated, a snake might drink any liquid available. So maybe she knew it was dehydrated. Because she's Wonder Woman. Uh, It didn't look dehydrated. It was really slimy and wet. Well then... So up yours, John D.F. Black! Yes, John D.F. Black, (laughs) satintightspodcast at gmail.com. What were you thinking? So uh, later, George is surprised to see her alive. I don't know why. He's talking with Abner. At this point, there's some reinforcement to the idea that George, George. is, is kind of like doing his own thing. He's working on his own. He's not following Abner's uh, uh, rules. And so Abner sort of says, uh, you didn't do anything to Diana, nope. did you? And he's like, of course not. Liar. And then, of course, when she shows up, George is, he's like, what? Say what? <laughs> and so he goes and sits down with her. You know... I'll spend the rest of my life wishing I'd met you under other circumstances. George, I seriously doubt that any woman could survive in your memory longer than a few days. I'm empowered to offer you one million dollars to form a professional alliance with my employer. Well, that's very impressive, but no thanks. He offers her five million dollars. Five million dollars! And she says, I have everything I want. Slam. You've heard Abner's offer. You haven't heard mine. I think I know what yours is, George. If you turn up again, I'll kill you. Now, you see, I knew what your offer would be. And she leaves him a little gift. Do enjoy your present. And I believe that gift is our snake. That is. He opens it up. And there is our wet, slithery friend. All full of whole milk from the hotel lounge. <laughs> so via telephone call, Steve tells Diana that the, <laughs> the mule is to be released in Nevada to carry the ransom to an unknown destination in Alba, Nevada. Yes, of course I'm calling from a public telephone booth. You're not where someone can get at you with a car. Steve, I'm perfectly safe. Now you're supposed to put the money where? Two leather saddlebags, then take the animal to a place in Nevada, a ghost town named Alba, at four o'clock this afternoon. And that's all? We give the burro a command in Spanish, slap it on the rump, and leave. (laughs) Well, don't stand behind the burro when you give him a swat. Phone in this evening. If I have anything to tell you. Bye. Once uh, Diana gets off the phone with Steve Trevor, she is visited by one of her sisters. I bring you love from your mother, Diana. And when you return to the island, give her my love. I will. My mission is to bring you a message of great sadness, sister. One from among us has fled the island. Which of us? Angela. And so your mother spoke according to our just laws. Angela is not to be trusted. She must now face her times of trial alone. So be it, sister. To my great sadness. And mine. And this Amazon gets no name. And it's very frustrating to me because Angela gets a name. And this woman, what did I write? This woman says that Angela is not to be trusted. She is black and does not get a name. Hmm. 
It bothers me. In the beginning of the four, only one of them gets a name. Ting. And they don't even show her. Um, she says, how I shall miss you, Ting. And they don't. They sh- are showing Hippolyta during that. So you hear the audio. Right. And then she goes to the redhead and says, and you, my sister. So Ting gets a name, but the Amazon who <laughs> comes to warn her does not. It's so, it's so strange. I don't know. It just bothers me. But it's a, it's a beautiful scene between the two of them. It's really well played. Anyway, end rant. <laughs> it, and apparently it's easy for Amazons to just travel to the outer world. There's no specific uh, rules, apparently, in terms of who gets to go and who doesn't. Or losing immortality or anything like that. And Angela on Angela has in fact joined forces with Abner Smith. Yes, she has. He has paid her to partner with George, but secretly wants her to monitor him and handle anything he can't in case it, it comes up. Just uh, why did you decide to pay me all this money? I'm sure it's not to keep George company in some glen. In every illegal operation, there is a need for someone like George, Angela. Someone with an ego so large that he succeeds because he can't really live with failure. But inevitably, two things occur. First, he decides to take over at some point. And second, he runs up against a problem he can't really handle. When either one of those situations arises, I want you there to set things straight. I think I can manage that. I'm sure you can. If you don't forget that George is both heartless and has a clever, if grotesque, turn of mind. Not to worry, Mr. Smith. George has a grotesque frame of mind. He does. He does, I know. He's a villain. Look, you just look at Andrew Prine's eyes and you know there's some grotesqueness. Grotesque, grotesque stuff. I didn't like him from the first moment he came on the screen. Uh, meanwhile, we cut back to Steve as he prepares the mule, the burra, burra, to deliver the ransom, but not before treating it with tracking devices. The animal has been sprayed overall with a non-toxic, harmless ultraviolet fluid. This will enable you to track it easily from the air with the aid of special lighting. It's already installed on the helicopters. What about electronic tracking? Oh, yes. We have uh, microtransmitters between the hoof and the shoe. Four of them in all. And there's no way four hoof transmitters are going to go on the fritz. One, maybe two, but not all four. Strange kind of messenger, don't you think, Steve? Oh, I thought so until I saw the topographical map of the area around Alba, Nevada. A burr is a perfect choice. The ransom money, the $15 million, is packed into two sacks, which contain tear gas, uh, which is standard procedure. And Steve knows, or he concedes, that... Uh, this is not beyond Abner's knowledge. We have to follow the procedure because Abner knows exactly what our procedure is. So we keep the tear gas in the sacks. Uh, Later in Nevada, in Alba, Nevada. (laughs) (laughs) I I really hate saying Nevada. I I say Nevada, Nevada. That's what I say. I say. I say Nevada. Nevada, Nevada. So later in Nevada, Steve and Bob. Back to Bob. This is your surprise today. <laughs> released, <laughs> released the mule as instructed and they depart. He's slapping them in the ghost town that might have been on the Bushwhackers episode. That's right. A lot of Bushwhackers that's, references in this. That's so true. Uh, so the, the mule goes running off and then uh, Steve and Bob depart. And then Diana appears and she's decked out in her Wonder Woman garb. In fanfare. Yes! 
we we freeze frame on her in all of her Wonder Woman glory. Her her Wonder Woman stewardess jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> And ready for action. Are we going to commercial? Uh, do you want to go to commercial? Do you need a Do you need Do you need a bathroom break, Ray? No. Oh, okay. Do, uh, uh, you guys that are listening out there, do you need a potty break? If you If you're If you do, you know you could have always paused this at any point and come back to That's it. That's right. Or you know, Ray. I have to, you know, we have to face the possibility that there are some people listening to us sitting on the can right now. I'm okay with that. Me too. I am actually, if you are sitting on the can, I am honored that you would take us into the bathroom with you, into that <laughs> sacred private space. So thank you. It's it's just like we're one of the family. Act four opens up the twins, Cass and Joey. How's this hair looking, Ray? Uh, I think it's looking good. I did not make a note, so... It was probably looking good, probably not as great as it did earlier because we're outside now. You've heard of hall monitor? Raise the hair monitor. I have a thing for hair. The Bobsy twins have their sights on Kathy Lee Crosby, and yet suddenly she appears behind them. As she's Wonder Woman. As she's Wonder Woman, and she conks their heads together. Yep. And good old-fashioned superhero move right there, baby. And then she looks off into the distance. (laughs) Right, exactly. Because there's an Abner to find. Steve and Bob remotely track the mule, and Wonder Woman also is following the mule, and she follows it into one of these rooms in the ghost town. And the mule goes into a room, and a glass door slides down like a guillotine, separating the mule and Wonder Woman. Now, inside the room, all the tracking devices are meticulously removed from the mule. And then it disappears. And it's never explained how. No, it's never explained, which I find really interesting. We have to imagine. We have to use our imaginations. Yep, and then we have to use our imaginations even more. (laughs) When Stop the it. when the oatmeal starts <laughs> the pouring oatmeal. down the side, the very colorful oatmeal. It's a little. It's like yellow and blue and like green or reddish, reddish, bluish, greenish, yep. right? Yellowish. All of it. Uh, when the glass door rises, Wonder Woman enters to investigate. Like where the where the hell that ass go? And then the glass slides back down, and she's like, "Hey, hold up!" So she goes and starts doing the uh, the shields and yarnells mime thing on the glass. <laughs> <laughs> Only it's it's real glass, so it's she doesn't have glass. to do yeah. And yeah. behind her, uh, I can only describe it as wet colored cement begins to stream down the wall yep. as the wall starts moving and closing in on her. Yep. And sometimes uh, smoke comes up from it. Yeah. Is it is it larva? Is it cement? Is it? Steamy cement? I don't know. Uh, who the hell knows? All we do know is Wonder Woman goes up to it, wipes, collects some of it off the wall in her hand, and in an instant it hardens into a rock like substance. Even though as it's falling, it's not. But. <laughs> And so she tries to break the glass with the now hardened cement to no avail. Ultimately, the wall keeps coming at her. She is like, what the hell am I going to do? But ultimately, she uses her noggin. And she leverages the hardening cement wall that's coming towards her. She... She turns her back to it, and she positions herself facing the glass, using the wall to push her forward as she kicks through the glass in a crash. Shoot, kick. Woohoo! 
And then she gets through it, and there's no sludge on her. Nothing. And I because <laughs> her costume is anti sludge. Meanwhile, Angela and George pass the time waiting for the mule by betting on her prowess with the javelin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And her hair looks great. Fantastic hair. Yes. Oh my yes. gosh. Fantastic hair. I could hair. watch her throw javelins with that hair all day long. My sister Mimi had uh, had that hair. Lucky her. She was, uh, my sister Mimi uh, back in the 80s was, uh, she uh, made the, the cut, I think down to 10 women uh, to be the new Angels 88 when the when the Charlie's Angels was coming back in 1988. What? I didn't know there was an Angels 88. Yeah. It never came to fruition, but my sister, she made the cut. She had that Angel's hair and swagger and body, and she made the cut. Good for her. Seeing it didn't go to series because they didn't hire her. Exactly. Shout out to Mimi. Hi, Mimi. That burro should be here any time now. There it is. There's someone riding it. Lo and behold, Wonder Woman shows up riding the bull. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Wonder Woman shows up riding the mule. Yes, she does. I've got five big ones. Says you can't take her off from here. And George bets Angela that she can't take her out. With that screaming javelin. Oh! Nice. Tosses that javelin and it flings in the air. And that's the end of Act 4. Who's it going to hit? Who's it going to hit? Is it going to hit the... Not that one. Or is it going to hit the lady in the satin tights? I don't know. We got to come back from the commercial. I know. Come back. Beautiful as Aphrodite. Wise as Athena. Stronger than Hercules. Swifter than Mercury. Explore the 75-year history of the Amazon princess with Wonder Woman, Warrior for Peace, a monthly podcast available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at wonderwomanwarriorforpeace.wordpress.com. It misses Diana, and it lands... At Diana's feet. That's not what happens. Oh, no, wait. (laughs) No, then, wait, doesn't she catch? No. (laughs) Paul, I have javelin throw by A, Mrs. D. D's throw lands at Angela's feet. Diana throws it back at her. What? What? I don't know what I was watching. What the hell were you watching? Oh, my God. What was I watching, Paul? (laughs) Explain this one to me, too. I feel like we've ever since uh, I started complaining about that Amazon not getting a name. It's all falling apart because I also wrote, I do not care about the plot at this point. It's something about this movie. Something just happens where you you stop caring. uh, And then then it just becomes about the visuals and the music for the rest of the movie. Then then let's... uh, I will save this sinking ship. Don't you worry, Ray. Please, because I'm not helping. I just maybe maybe you were drunk. I don't know. Maybe you know some people watch Wonder Woman, uh, you know, over burgers and fries, and others, you know, gets get, get smashed. Maybe I'm drunk right now. Act five opens up, Ray. Yeah, and Diana deftly catches the spear in her hand and returns it in kind, just missing Angela and George. This isn't the way I expected to see you again, Angela. What other way could there be now, Diana? Must we make war against each other? We have no choice. We both know your goal and mine. The last time we were in contest together, there was no victor. 
I remember. Now, George, George, oh, look at him. George, 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 George of the jungle. George. Uh, he trains a gun on Wonder Woman as she and Angela face off with javelins. <laughs> he tries to shoot her, but she deflects. No, she doesn't do that. Nope. Angela knocks the gun out of his hands with her javelin and instructs him yep. to take the mule and Get out of Barogon. Oh. Wait a minute. No, that's, that's... Get out of Alba. George, take the burrow and leave. And I advise you to do as you were instructed. This is beautiful. So George leaves with the mule and the money, so they fight it out. Wonder Woman defeats Angela and appeals to her sisterhood. You would not take my life. I didn't save your life on the island to take it now. Would you allow me to replace my weapon? No, Angela. No more fighting between us. Hold no hope that I shall ever return to the island. I've made my choice. I want the things this world has to offer. We were so much alike. Never. Then our sisterhood ends here. Not until I repay my debt. I owe you my life. Set your price, I'll pay it. That was in our childhood. I won't be indebted to you, Diana. Set your price. Angela insists she will not be indebted to Wonder Woman and offers up the mule's destination as a final restitution, vowing to kill Wonder Woman when they meet again. You know as well as I do that we will face each other again. And if I win, I will take your life. Cue Wonder Woman 2. Dude! Yeah! Yeah. George arrives with the mule at Abner's secret location. Abner! Abner! Abner bets him a million dollar that Wonder Woman followed him. George loses the bet when he finds that Wonder Woman has indeed tracked him down by following his gum wrapper littering. <laughs> <laughs> That's my rant, you littera. Littera. <laughs> Which brings us to the end of Act 5. Oh, Jesus. The sixth and final act opens up. Here we go. You just cost me one million dollars. You're going to regret it. I guess our honeymoon is over, George. George, George brings Wonder Woman to meet Abner. Abner. Is this where we finally see him? Oh, yeah. At 56 minutes <laughs> and 54 seconds into the movie. And I'm not kidding. We finally see this man's face. Well, I think possibly, possibly, uh, 1974 Fantasy Island is still about six or seven years away, or maybe five years away. But uh, Ricardo Montalban, uh, he's still pretty. I would you? I, I don't know. Is is he is he well known in 1974? Enough of a celebrity that that's true. Uh, the the not. Revealing him until the sixth act is sort of a little... Big deal. Yeah, maybe it was a, a big reveal then. Yeah, tongue-in-cheekiness uh, by the producers thinking, well, everyone's going to know who it is. Listeners. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we finally see his face. I've looked forward to meeting you for a very long time. As I've looked forward to meeting you, Mr. Smith. You are exactly as I picture you. Exactly. You're taller than I expected. We have to kill her. Oh, I certainly hope not, George. 
She's not going to just let us walk away with that money. She might. And what if she doesn't? There is time to decide that then, isn't there? Not if she's told Steve Trevor where she is. If you took the time to study your adversaries, you know she didn't. And you'd probably be in business for yourself instead of working for me. Now, will you see that the copter is fueled, George? She reveals that she beat him to New York in an invisible plane. And here's something that I love about this movie. He says to her... And you are invisible when you fly it. Of course. course. (laughs) Convenient. Love that. I like it. Now, Wonder Woman insists that she has to take Abner into custody because she he has violated the law he says that there's no way that she can succeed in taking him into custody because you know he's got a plan in action and he proves it to her by showing her his helicopter in a underground part of his base which is uh, incidentally inside of the walls of the grand canyon the north wall of the grand canyon again though what we said earlier about the little tetetets that they have all the time are simply fantastic. And now you've got a guy. It's like they're on a date. May I show you around? I'd like that. This way, please. Uh, The uh, elevator system was the most difficult engineering job. I stole the plans for it from the strategic air command. Brilliant people there. I'll tell them that you appreciate their talent. I hope you'll have the opportunity. May I look? If you give me your word, your word, that you won't try to sabotage it. I'll have to pass. Ah. <laughs> I love mm-hmm. that. I love yep. it. I love it. And so they come back out, and uh, she tries to stall by looking at his books and stuff, and uh, he notices... You were wearing two bracelets when you arrived. Now there is only one. Where is the other? And, of course, he suspects that she sabotaged the helicopter. He goes to check on it, and... Helicopter destroyed, and one of the funniest slapstick pieces of action, we got the twins flying through the door. And so, uh, during the commotion, Wonder Woman tries to escape with the ransom and the books, but is stopped by gunfire at her feet. Now put those saddlebags and that box on the floor. Abner takes the ransom and allows Wonder Woman to keep the books. No, leave that. Why? We can sell them again. Because... We made a deal, George. And our word has to be good. Over George's objection. George. He's objecting to everything. Yeah. Uh, Because he's got plans, yo. He got plans for his future. Mm -hmm. Why the gun, George? We've got to kill her. No, 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 no. Killing people makes other people much more angry than they ever get over money. Makes them dogged. I sincerely wish... We might have spent more time together. Uh, Wonder Woman is left in a sealed-off compartment. Another plexiglass wall. <laughs> right, right. That she is trapped behind. Right, and she and uh, up till now, I'm digging Kathy Lee Crosby's smarts and intelligence and cool wit and banter. Yep, But when yep. she walks into that glass, I'm like, girl. They wrote you into this trap. <laughs> She picks up the books and she starts walking, thinking, hey, look, it's a freedom. And she 
walks right into the freaking glass. Yep. I know it's glass. I can see it's glass. Yep. <sighs> anyway. She's blinded by the charm of finally seeing Mr. Smith's face. Blinded by the charm. Uh, so, yeah, Abner leaves telling Georges to pay Cass and Joe before joining him. But... George kills the twins instead. Goodbye, hair. Goodbye. And it's not even good hair as he dies. It's only all right hair as he dies. So that's very sad. You can't die with only all right hair, Ray. No, you you have to have good hair when you're being shot by George. <laughs> you've, you've set the bar so high. Oh, George. And then to go out like that, it's just really sad. It's really sad. Uh, so meanwhile, uh, so George has killed the twins. He's got their money and uh, he heads off as well. Now we switch back to Wonder Woman who has now, she connects. Here comes the belt rope. From her belt, Wonder Woman connects a retractable gold tethering line to one of her bracelets and uses it as a grappling hook yep to ascend the glass barrier luckily that glass didn't go all the way up to the top of the cave <laughs> <laughs> look it was it there was enough of a gap that she tossed those books over <laughs> that's right so and she's about to toss herself over it was almost like it was written that way almost now abner's plan b escape is a little rubber raft in an underground water system that leads out to a river he's loading up the rubber raft when he's confronted by uh george you want all the money george huh 15 million dollars mr smith why not just give me the saddlebags you'll find a way to be broke in a year george Abner subdues him by activating the tear gas in the sacks. He's reacting as if, you know, the face hugger from Alien is on his face. Come on, we've all been sprayed with little tear gas in our life. George goes tumbling into the water. Of course he can't swim. And he's only, he's only like two feet away from the shore. I know. And Abner gets into the little rubber raft and starts to row away. Don't swim! Really, George? Oh. I am so sorry. We've really descended into this sort of, uh, we're, we're far from our lofty goals here. Uh, yeah. I can see Ray's writing at the top of this page, too. Don't care. Don't care. We've run out of budget to make this look good as it ends. So uh, here's a here's a little here's a little dingy. <laughs> we've run out of budget. Okay. <laughs> we've, did, did I say that? We've run out of budget. <laughs> we've run out of budget. I'm going to use that line in a movie. It's getting late. We've run out of budget. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what i am writing that down we've run out of budget i am putting that in something we've run out of wallet um, <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile wonder woman finds a dirt bike naturally in in abner's office naturally uh, a dirt bike and uh, gets on it puts the books on it puts on her little helmet and speeds away to uh try and uh, uh stop abner now she this wonder woman don't need to spin into no motorcycle outfit <laughs> she can just get right on any motorcycle and ride away she doesn't need no fancy clothes. It sort of is like a motorcycle outfit, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a onesie for that everything. That is true. She could do everything in that. So she's on the bike. She uh, comes to a bridge overlooking the river, spots Abner, gets off the bike, dives into the water. Beautiful dive. And emerges in front of Abner's raft. 
You came close, Abner. And he's like, aw, girl, <laughs> you done got me. You got him, finally. Finally? It's happened to me. And then they're at the, you know, with the police, and, you know, he lights a stogie. And he says, Wonder Woman, I love you. Wonder Woman, <laughs> I love you. And then he's taken away. Goodbye, Abner. Abner's done for. Wonder Woman won. Did you think it would be any other way? <laughs> Back at headquarters, it's business as usual with Steve and Diana. And nobody knowing she's Wonder Woman. Nobody knows. She's back to to, to making sure his appointments are all in check. And after we get through the calls, we've got to lay out the quarterly personnel evaluations. And don't forget to call the maintenance about the air conditioning. Oh, and you've got a conference at 11, heads of departments. Right. See if we can move that to another day. But he does ask her how it went with the, right, the dentist. With the yes. Oh, Dee, you didn't tell me. When you finally caught up with him, how was the bout with your dentist? Painful. A little. Q and credits. <laughs> It was painful. A little. Which pretty much sums up the movie Wonder Woman 1974. <laughs> no, I really I enjoyed this movie. I right, really but no, that's did. what I'm saying. It was painful, but only yeah, a little. Only a little. Only You only stop caring at a certain point, and then it just becomes about the costume. It really does. It's like once the costume appears, that's all I'm focused on is the Wonder Woman uh, adventure part. I don't care about the plot. I just want to see Wonder Woman in action. Well, because here's the thing, right? Everything up to that point... Uh, where she's not in the costume, it's really a lot of mind games. It's a lot of yeah. getting out of uh, situations. It's a lot of physical combat, right? Mm-hmm. All those things are exciting things. Uh, and her 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 sparring verbally with uh, 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 George and Abner, mm-hmm. those are great things. Once she gets into the costume, you're right. It's really all about her doing now performing feats, right? Like taking out the bad guy or climbing the wall or or breaking through the glass, yep. uh, which are all good, but really we're, we're, we're starting on a fast descension into the end of the movie, which just really, I mean, it's not a bad ending, but... It's not great. She was never challenged, no. really, uh, uh, for a, a finale. Yeah. When you go up against Abner, there wasn't something, there wasn't a big, you know, Dano Maul. <laughs> no, the biggest challenge was that uh, the room with the oatmeal. Right. Right. So it, it was just a it was a fun bit of uh, a fun bit of TV. It was. It was a bit of a fun bit of TV. Uh, and um, first of all, let's talk about what she is and what she isn't. She's not a super powered woman. No. Uh, there are no superpowers here. Uh, there there it's very spy it takes a thief kind of thing going on here. The mod era. Yeah. Just a few years earlier, her depowered state in the comics. Yeah. A mm-hmm. lot of people have said that influenced this movie. I've never read anything in print. A, a, to that effect i've never read anything official but i'm inclined to believe but yeah that's how i try to watch this movie that's the lens that i look at it through i'm like okay well this was the most recent most i don't know successful was it successful i don't remember it got a 49 share the movie did yeah now remember we're talking three networks you get three slices of the pie she almost got half but 
it was critically panned. ABC, something needs to change. And that's what prompted Doug Kramer to go back to Stanley Ralph Ross to create the Wonder Woman that that we all love and know. And that's what he did. Interesting. So you're right. Uh, but I love what you said about that is the lens through which you look at this movie. And I think that is really the only way... If you're going to enjoy Wonder Woman, the 1974 movie with Kathy Lee Crosby, you have to say, okay, this is a movie about a mysterious woman from a mysterious island that has come to our world and uh, she's using her wilds and skills to, right. to fight for truth and justice and all that stuff. She doesn't have any superpowers. She doesn't have nothing. She has accoutrement, but it's her accessories are... Her brain. Her brain. And the little, the, the few tools, the tracking bracelets, the, 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 the belt with the retractable rope that she uses to climb. You yeah, know, all, yeah. <laughs> all of these things are there in, in a fashion. Her gadgets. Her gadgets, exactly. She does have an invisible plane, but we don't see it. Right. <gasps> oh, wait it, a minute. Everybody turns invisible. It's invisible. <laughs> so what's your final uh, take on Wonder Woman 1974? My final take on it is that... I enjoy it uh, every once in a while. It's great to turn to just to get a little little different taste of Wonder Woman. And I think, as I said at the beginning, Kathy Lee Crosby was an excellent choice for the way this was approached for this particular Wonder Woman. I think she was a great choice. It's not the Linda Carter series, for sure. Right. But it's it, it's its own thing. Totally separate. I would have to agree. It's uh, you, you you pull it out. You're in the mood for that sort of off-kilter, uh, alternate universe sort of Wonder Woman. Uh, because she is charming. She is... She is intelligent yes she uh, she is uh, enjoying uh what she's doing in fact i wish there was more of that yeah. um uh and uh and she doesn't take anyone's either no she doesn't because she's always she's always one step ahead of the game exactly i think it's a credible movie and it's mm -hmm. it, it should not be a, a, as dismissed as it is so often dismissed uh by so many people and uh it just takes the right you need to look at uh i love that again i love that word you need to look at it through the right lens mm -hmm. uh, to enjoy the movie. And yeah. I know some people won't be able to. Um, That's fine. And I say this as a diehard Linda Carter Wonder Woman fan. Uh, you know, we're not going to get that fanfare. We're not going to get that burst of light. We're not going to get Linda Carter, but uh, we get a different kind of Wonder Woman. Uh, and incidentally, she has returned in in uh, some weird ways ever since this movie. She's popped up in the comics. She was in Wonder Woman 77. Yeah, she was in... Uh, Did Phil use her? Yeah, Phil used her in the uh, one of the crisis, yes. the final crisis uh, yes. run. Yes, so she has a place. She has a place. Yeah. She she has a universe of her own, and, and every so often it's nice uh, to visit. Yeah. But I wouldn't want to live there. No. No, but I, I appreciate how capable she was, her humor, her joy, uh, and the fact that she never really flaunted anything about what she could do or who she was. She just existed in the world and, uh, and played, and that was nice. Ray, we have to go. We do. We'll be back. <laughs> we will be back. We finally get to start talking about Linda. <laughs> we do! Holy cow! On the next Satin Tights podcast, we will be going through the new... 
original Wonder Woman. Uh, joining us in the next podcast as we talk about the new original Wonder Woman is famed author, Wonder Woman virtuoso. Uh, he just finished, by the at the time of this recording, he just uh, completed his run of Wonder Woman 77 meets the Bionic Woman, mm. uh, bringing two worlds together. Mm-hmm. Andy Mangles, uh, a Wonder Woman historian in his own right, is going to be talking uh, about the new original Wonder Woman with us, with Ray and me. Okay. We're going to go through it and we're going to uh, dissect it and uh, just just uh, satin tights all over it. Uh-oh. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> sort of like that 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 oh. colored cement. Paul, you make me want to satin tights all over myself. We're gonna star spangle all over it. I'm looking forward to it. That's on the next Satin Tights podcast. Until then, you can find us on Twitter at Satin Tights Pod, P-O-D, all one word. You can find us on Facebook at Satin Tights. And you can email us at Satin Tights Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, I guess that's it, Ray. So uh, we're out of here. I will see you next time. And, uh, well, I won't see you. If if you could see me right now, I'm just sitting here smiling into my microphone as if it's a freeze frame. (laughs) Awesome. Me too. Ready? I'll do it as well. Okay. Abner, 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 oh please.